0: Hey, Nailers fans, I'm DJ Abasello, welcoming you into episode two in our 2020 series of The Toolbox, presented by Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Today's guest on The Toolbox is Wheeling Hockey Hall of Famer, Zach Torquato. We'll go back into his time, his five seasons as a member of the Nailers from 2011, culminating in the 2016 run to the Kelly Cup Final. This is also going to serve as a terrific prelude to another project that we're working on. I had a chance to sit down with the entire 2016 Finals team and do a Zoom call with them. We're going to be separating that down into a four-part series, so stay tuned for that on YouTube coming up in the next few weeks. Oh,
1: the good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the
0: best game you can name is the good old. gives me great pleasure to bring in this guest on the toolbox he had a tremendous run of success here in Wheeling Five years of it, starting in 2011, culminating with that magical run to the 2016 Kelly Cup Final. He's also a member of the Wheeling Hockey Hall of Fame, still playing hockey in Switzerland. It's forward Zach Torquato. Zach, it's so great to chat with you. There's so many people who you guys left such an impression on with that 2016 Finals run, and I couldn't think of a better guy to talk to than you.
1: Yeah, Deej, thanks for having me, and I definitely miss Wheeling, and it's good to catch up with you a bit.
0: I saw the video on Snapchat of you and Riley Brace leaving Switzerland at the end of your season. So first things first, everybody is safe at home. So we want to make sure that you're safe and back home. Was it a pretty smooth experience, all things considered?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, everything happened quick. We we're actually in like a relegation round. They do like a uh, playouts if uh, you don't make the playoffs. So the bottom four teams play and uh you have like a playout uh, series you play everyone twice and then the team with the lowest points goes into a relegation round with the lower league in a best of seven series and and all that and then the uh, losing team out of that would be demoted so we were in decent enough shape so we weren't uh, threatened too much but it was nice to to get out of there when we did uh, especially with everything going on and uh, we weren't able to finish games we played two games without fans so that was a different experience but uh for bracer and I, we were, we were lucky enough to get out and happened real quick. It was like less than four to eight hours, changed our flights. My mom actually went to the airport in uh, Sault Ste. Marie, talked to the lady. I gave her all my flight info, and then we changed our flights, and we, we hopped on the same flight, and then uh, we had no-,
0: no fans to play in front of. That must have been absolutely wild yeah man it was crazy and we were actually
1: uh, one of the games was a pretty important one we were in the french region of switzerland like uh french-speaking region and they they have great fan support and it's like a cool cool rank good style and uh, we played our first one in there without any fans and that was crazy it was just i and us right so it was, it was a little different experience the atmosphere we had to kind of create our own energy
0: wow this was year number four for you playing in europe and you played in some really neat spots italy denmark switzerland a lot of players talk about getting a chance to travel see the world is that the best part of it for you and what are some of your favorite places that you've gone to
1: yeah uh, each country and city i've lived in has gave its own different experience and uh, different cultures and that's so you get to learn and travel and and it's a shortened schedule so i'm able to play a little longer hopefully and it's, it's better in the body it's only about 40 45 games and then we have uh, all the national team breaks so we get two or three breaks plus the christmas break at uh, three days at a time so we're able to travel and go experience different places and stuff we've been to spain uh italy uh, and then the alps and switzerland are beautiful so they're playing in italy for a couple of years that's our favorite spot we visited it's actually a place of italy it's similar to rome but on a smaller scale coliseum and that so we really enjoyed that and i'm lucky enough to have my girlfriend there and then uh, been with bracer every year so so we travel together and uh, the girlfriends get along so it's worked out awesome
0: yeah all four years with bracer i looked at the stat too you guys are like one and two in scoring pretty much every year it's like you guys are a package deal you're gonna add a third member to that line at any point or is it just <laughs> gonna be the the magical duo that just takes it all together <laughs>
1: You know what? Uh, we're we're talking to Jerry, trying to get him over. But in Switzerland, there's only two imports, and so we've we've had great chemistry there, and uh, and hopefully we can keep it going. And uh, yeah, it's just worked with the bigger ice and that. And Bracer's uh, such an easy player to play with, and uh, we have a good relationship. So he definitely helps me out on the ice.
0: Jerry, being Jerry Burton, of course. Do you see any of your other former Wheeling teammates over there? Do you play against any of them? Uh, I don't know if we yeah, I've came across a few guys., uh, we were in
1: Prague, Czech Republic with Bracer and Carolyn, and uh, I think Michelle might have been there too Bracer's girlfriend. and uh, we were just uh, on Snapchat or something, and then David Gilbert was in there on his vacation too. So we all met up and we had a few drinks, went out that night, met up the next day, so that was that was cool. and then. Uh, you play a bunch of guys that you know or played against, and then you run into people on breaks and stuff because everyone's going to similar spots and like tourist spots. So that's pretty cool. And uh, the hockey world's so small. And definitely, when you're playing with uh, only two North American guys on a team, it's uh, refreshing to see some other Canadians or uh, American players.
0: You had a lot of success here in Wheeling. We're going to dive into a lot of it. Hopefully you're ready and you can rack that memory. You came here <laughs> yeah. all the way back in the summer of 2011. You just finished your rookie season with the Toledo Walleye, and you decided to come to Wheeling. What first caught your eye about the Nailers, and was there something in Stan Drulia's recruiting pitch to get you here?
1: Yeah, I remember uh, talking to Stan, and he was great. And, uh he gave me a good opportunity and then i took on a somewhat of a leadership role too which uh which was good at only 21 years old so yeah i had a lot of belief in him and his coaching style and obviously his uh, coaching resume now and then and his playing resume he's a great player and i'm now a great coach so learned a lot from him definitely talking to him in the summer leading into it with all the potential of uh moving up to the AHL or the relationship between pittsburgh and how everyone treats the nailers it's all part of the system which is nice you're not kind of lost in the east east coast league you feel like you're 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 really close to, to the next step so that, that was huge
0: that's something I hear about a lot and I feel like that's the number one recruiting pitch that Wheeling has is that it helps players get to the American Hockey League. It's interesting because I had a question posed earlier this summer. I opened up Twitter and did a mailbag and the Wilkes-Barre and the AHL and the Penguin push seems to be really good especially for like you said, you were 21 at the time what would you say would be the best selling point on the other side of that spectrum to get veterans here? Like you came here and you stayed here. What made you keep coming back and if a veteran veteran say was looking at wheeling what would you tell them is the reason that they should come here
1: well i mean the ownership uh, don's amazing brian and uh, the way they run it it's it's very professional it's a, it's like an american hockey league team and definitely billy with the locker room and uh, the facility there he's amazing the equipment and everything it's very professional and then the, the fan base like especially when we were there and we went on that run it's amazing the town it's a small town they love their sports and if you need a little fix of a big city or 45
0: to an hour away from pit right so so, I
1: mean, it's an awesome place to live. The accommodations were amazing. Uh, couldn't say enough good things about the people in Wheeling.
0: We're going to get to the finals run because that there's a lot to talk about with that. But we'll tackle the four years before the finals run first. I have a few moments that I wrote down. Is there anything that you want to jump on before I get into it?
1: I talk with the, the guys from the finals on a daily basis since since we left. We have a group chat about 15 uh, 18 guys in it, so... We reminisce a lot about that, that year and that run, so that, that's fresh in my memory, but, uh, last night, Ben. Benny Farr uh, messaged in a group with about 10 of us and uh, he's organizing a uh, Zoom chat with uh, I think it was my second year there with like Darles and Delmas and Dennis and, and those guys and uh, Zach Hansen. So we were just chatting a bit. You know what, like we talk a lot about the off-ice stuff and reminisce because that we had such tight-knit groups there and wheeling while we were going golfing or going out and then uh, such good experiences like Clarky and that. So there's not one thing that uh, I remember really on the ice too much I Just besides the fans and that there's not like a one moment that of like a goal or anything that I look back on it's just more like the fans and relationships I built uh, throughout those four years leading up into the finals
0: you guys were part of the cabin living too I bet that comes up every once in a while
1: yeah I talked to Adam Ross quite a bit and uh, he was an awesome uh, awesome roommate and we were in that the one cabin I think it was our second year it wasn't like the cabins that the guys were living in uh, later on, like the n- nice big ones. This is a smaller one, a four, but a four-bedroom, one kitchen, maybe one or two baths, Mac. And there's four of us in there. I was with Bart, Chris Barton, Darling, and uh, Ross are in the, in the cabin. So you definitely get close with those guys and keep a relationship going. And uh, you have some fun times, and you make the most of it. while you're having fires or walking around, and uh, everyone was so close and living in the proximity. So it was easy to build relationships with all the guys in the cabins.
0: So some of the on-ice moments, one that Jim Hupp, our good buddy, mentioned the other day, 2014-15 season, Kalamazoo. You scored a goal, Mm -hmm. and immediately, no celebration, just a beeline right to Justin Taylor, and you throw down. What was that like, and what was it all about Yeah, I think it
1: dated back to Junior. He's just kind of a pest player. I don't know him personally off base, but on the ice, I didn't really like him too much, and it just dated back to Junior, and it was just like a long time coming. And then I think we had a five on three. In Kalamazoo, and I was playing the top on my strong side. I don't know who the lefty D-man was. D to, D to D pass and score. But before that, uh, the face-off. I think we were up by two goals at the time. Taylor was kind of melting off, and were taking the face-off before that. And just told him, if "I'm going to score here and then uh, jump you. So whether you want to fight or not." So I felt like it was a good time to after the. It was right off the face-off. And it was a good time to kind of send a message to him a little bit. And it wouldn't put our team down too much because we would be up, whatever, by three goals. So we're in a good spot to win the game regardless.
0: And it would have only taken you to a 5-on-3 to a 4-on-4, four four, so you were all good. I remember Clarkie going, how the heck did we just go 5-on-3 to 4-on-4? Four four?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Clarkie was like kind of confused, but uh, he was good. He We had a good relationship, so he kind of let us play, and then uh, he would tame us in when uh, when we needed to.
0: I remember the 13-14 season You had a goal with one second left Against Florida Do you remember that one? Was it at home? It was at home It tied the game and sent it to overtime And I think it was a desperation throw From the left point by somebody And then it kicked out to you On the right side of the crease And you tapped oh, yeah, it in yeah, I
1: remember I think it was just a tap in Yeah, on the forehand yeah. yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, I mean, any time you can score a goal to help your team, and especially down in the se- dying seconds, that's uh, huge, right? And that's what you want if the goalie's pulled to get a goal and tied up.
0: You're going to hate me for this one, but Elmira, your first year here, your finger. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah i guess that's one
1: of the big memory i almost i forget about it like i don't really notice it anymore at all but that was that was a crazy uh experience what was the big french uh captain's name defenseman left-handed shot Ooh. he was the guy that stepped on it i forget his name but i remember he reached out after and it's all good like it's an accident things happen but yeah, I remember uh, I was down in one of the corners on the ice and we both kind of fell on top of each other and he got up first and my hand was palmed down on the ice with my glove on and he kind of, he stepped on my hand and pushed off the skate and it was like a pressure cut and above my knuckle and like nail and everything like was gone. Like I remember looking at it and I didn't look at it again for like three weeks. After. And I remember Manella, I lived with him too one year. He's the one that came in the dressing room and I was in the dressing room with no finger, like top of my finger and he came in with, or he was a hockey stick in there, stick hand my glove with my finger in it and it was on the ice and I was in the room so that was pretty crazy
0: Manella is one of those yeah. good guys you seem to have a great relationship with him and I was trying to think like yeah. the 2015-16 team is one that fans will remember the most but you look at some of the players on the two years leading up to that 13-14-14-15 like Manella, Chaz, Ratchuk, Stevenson, Manderson, Merck, how much of an impact did those guys have in kind of leading and helping the group build to what it ended up being in that finals year? yeah I mean
1: those guys kind of paved the way and I still talk to Denver uh, on a daily basis uh, we became real close over the years and we chat on the phone once a day at least so but uh, yeah, all those guys first off they're like more of like the old school style they're very very professional at the rink every day and they set a great example for the for the younger guys in that and then they worked hard and then uh, when it and have some fun. fun as well so yeah they set the bar high and it, that's key in a place like wheeling to all come together and especially with the community and everything and embrace it right so yeah they set a great example and uh left us in good hands when they when they left
0: community is a big part of it you know that you were very front running with that and, and making sure that you were involved and getting other players involved and we're still at the 19th hole doing the wheeling nailers power hour which is something <laughs> that you got started that you should be proud of that
1: yeah, for sure, and you, you do an amazing job with that stuff, so you make it easy for us to get involved and volunteer in that. So, yeah, it was easy to jump on any opportunity when uh, when you had it, and uh, whether it was we Easter Seals or starting the Power Bowl and the 19th hole is obviously a great spot to do it.
0: Let's dive into the finals year We'll start at the beginning You didn't play your first game until November Some people may forget about that But you were here Did the team jump out at you right away When camp started as a potential contender Or did it take some time to realize What the special group could be takes a bit to, to bond right it's a kind of a
1: short training camp because you get the trickle down and everything guys kind of filter in so yeah once november december hit that's when you you normally see what type of team you have but right off the bat we had an amazing group of guys and like i said we still keep in contact uh daily yeah we had such a good group and i i think by the time the finals happened we had uh, everyone but maybe jenner in the american league at one point during the year
0: there was a lot of roster movement i'm going to get to that too but you're absolutely right
1: yeah i actually looked at the, the roster before, just a little, not refresher, but just check it out and check the stats and see uh, see what we're all about that year, and uh, there's like, what, eight goalies, and there's a lot of movement because guys are going up and down, uh, so there's a lot of guys coming in for a few games, and then I remember Bracer came back from Chicago, get called up again, but he wanted to stay in Wheeling and, and help the team and wait till the guys got back and go on a run, and which he did.
0: That's kind of what started to bring it all back together towards the end. There was a big game in November, there was the school day comeback, which is still one of the most epic comebacks i've ever seen five goals in less than five minutes to turn a 5-2 deficit into a 7-5 win but right after that i thought was one of my first kind of aha moments with that team where i thought okay you know what there might be something here and i know you'll probably remember it well and so will the fans because it's highlighted in one of the best songs ever shane washes on it's the (laughs) trip that you guys went to florida in november And some may not know because we tend to keep some of this kind of hush-hush. But you guys had some fun on that trip. And you know what? You should have because it was Florida. So you should go out, have some fun, party, goof around. But to me, it showed something because you knew that you could do that. But you knew how to go out there and still win two out of three. What did that trip do? Was that a really key moment in bringing you guys together and showing that you you could have success at the same time?
1: Yeah, right, and that, that's uh, one of the moments we do talk about. And uh, I remember right before puck dropped, uh before the game started on that first game in Florida, Clark, you said, if we win uh, day off tomorrow, we had a day gap in between games. So then we went out and then we won that first game. And then obviously after with that green light, uh, we were all excited, especially being in Florida, and we went out pretty hard. And But the key with our group is everyone was always invited. Like everyone would always show up to, whether it's for one or beer or ten, right? So whenever we had the opportunity, we would all get together and it'd all be a mass group message. And, and I think some of the off-ice stuff is key for on-ice success, obviously, and especially then, too. It's a little different now. But uh, yeah, I mean, we had a late night and got in a little trouble from Clarky. And and then uh, we had the day off. We didn't have ice available. So the next game, we had morning skate. And then uh, Clarky skated us. Uh, skated us the whole morning skate before the game and then ate and napped and then we went out and won again i think so so we kind of met at night man in the morning kind of thing and be professional and that was it and then we never really talked about it again until you reflect on the year but yeah and then uh, we got a new wind song and then we kind of just all rallied around that and got the ball rolling
0: we talked about the transactions, and one of the times that that really got hit was right around Christmas, and that was also the time when Clarkie got promoted and he got the Wilkesbury job. So Gover took over at that point, yeah, David Gove as the head coach. You ended up playing just two games after Christmas. Then you got called up for the rest of the year. Other guys got called up too. The team ends up going on a slump where it loses 9 out of 10 games, and I honestly, because of how depleted they were, I think that was the big reason. It wasn't for a lack of effort or anything, but as you followed the team, what do you think started to kind of right that ship? Was it like you mentioned, Brace and the other guys starting to come back and just getting that talent back on the roster?
1: Yeah, it's it's always tough with changes during the year, especially when there's that many, right? So we're how to build the chemistry or whatever, and obviously you're missing a bunch of key players. So credits to the guys that, that were there and held it down. And then, yeah, like I said, when Bracer came back and he kind of made a point to get everyone going again and uh, get some wins together, and, and kind of wait until the guys came back. Our goal with that group, we knew we had a special group, was to make a playoff run. And yeah, he kind of he kind of got the ball rolling for us, and then the guys started coming back.
0: Clinch the playoffs in the last home game of the season, dramatic win over Reading. That sets up a first-round series against Florida. You came back during that series. You ended up playing your only three games of the playoffs were against the Everblade. The key game in that series for me was game four. You guys were down 3 nothing and 4-2 in the game, but you rallied back to win that 5-4. And it seemed like Florida was never the same after that. Was that the way you saw that series, that was being the key game?
1: Yeah, and weren't we down in the in the game early too? That game? Yes, you were. Yeah, it just shows the resiliency that uh, our group had, and we never even been down down in the series. We never thought we were out. We believed in ourselves, and we kind of had like it's cliche, but the one day at a time, and, and uh, that's how you have to be in the playoffs, right? So we had the right mindset and the right leadership and the right guys. So we never knew we were down and out, and once we got that one game, we knew we. could uh,
0: I can talk smack now because it's all I'm done with, but I thought Florida was the (laughs) easiest team you guys played because they seemed pretty soft and they seemed to lack adversity. So it seemed like any time you guys would punch them in the mouth, they just kind of looked at you like, "Uh, what do we do now?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a different uh, game in the playoffs. So especially when uh, they're trickling into summer months, and whether it's some guys' contracts or they're kind of, and Wheeling's such a tough place to play. in, so when people come in, uh, we got to take advantage of that. So yeah, I don't know what their mindset was, but ours was uh, a little bit of intimidation. But we just played the game hard and honest, and uh, luckily we were rewarded.
0: Round two was Reading. That one started to get a little interesting. Right at the start of the series was when the change took place because Dave took his leave of absence. So then you, with your injury, you go on the bench. And we'll touch on more of that later. But two classics in that series. Just absolute games. Game four, triple overtime in Reading. Wido wins it. What was it like right. on the bench and in the dressing room as that night got longer and longer? You guys are just waiting for that goal to come and just trying to probably stay alive on the bench
1: yeah exactly and uh, we're trying to preserve our energies in between period the boys are eating whatever bananas pb and j's right they're going into almost your second game kind of thing so like i said before our leadership and, uh, and guys like bakes and jerry and may like and chinner like the list goes on is we had such a good group that, that was another thing and uh you know once you win a game like that that uh, you're destined for something good
0: Between periods, like during a normal hockey game, three periods, intermissions, or you guys kind of recap things. Okay, what do we need to do better in this period? What did we do well in that period? At the point when you're going into a triple overtime, does anybody even say anything? Or is it just like, hey, will somebody (laughs) score a goal, please?
1: Yeah, it's almost just like keep on, and uh, you just you have to create positive vibes at that point, and just uh, just so you can get create some energy, right? You got to find it, and uh, with our group, we we had it, and and we believed in our group, and we had confidence. But at at that point, it's uh, not much to say, right? It's just keep going and uh, keep working on the things that we're working, and uh, let's put one in.
0: Game 7, the epic one Your boy, Riley Brace Perhaps the most memorable moment yeah. or game in Wheeling in 28 years He wins it in overtime yeah. But to get to that though You guys were down 2 nothing in that game Then you went up 3-2 They get a late goal to send it to overtime That was so many ups and downs Do you want to go right to Bracer's goal Or was there something else from Game 7 that sticks out in your mind?
1: well i mean that's that's what you remember and that's what you've seen the most and uh, and i we sometimes we circle back and watch a few of the highlights over the years and that just uh we're away just to kind of reminisce and that or with the guys but uh, for him to score a game seven overtime winner especially against that team our rival and, yeah it was amazing and just such another relief and just uh, can't say enough about that group and those wide or bracer they're clutch players and they've proven that time and time again so yeah that's why he's the big ticket
0: I didn't realize at first when I was watching it live that the puck was underneath the Redding defenseman and he ultimately kicked it forward. And that's when Brace snuck around the back and the net tapped it in in jubilation. What do you remember seeing from that play? Did you know it was under the D and then when you saw Bracer put it in, did you just lose your mind? my eyesight it was kind of you kind of lose it for a second
1: until you see it squirt out so you didn't really you knew it was somewhere because the ref didn't blow his whistle and but uh squirted out to the bracer
0: yeah thank goodness he didn't blow that whistle or else that would have ended yeah, that exactly. magical I moment right there they lose sight like that
1: especially in overtime they might uh, panic and blow the whistle but uh, yeah they let it go lucky for us
0: moving on to the conference final South Carolina your toughest test to get out of the east and you guys were less than six minutes away from going home down two games to nothing without even scoring a single goal and yet you ended up with three in four minutes and 48 seconds Jarrett Burton does it in double overtime a 1-1 series how did you guys find it so quickly in such a crucial time I mean like I said you could have been 0-2 that easily
1: right and you don't want to go down 0-2 especially in that series but uh uh, it seemed like for comebacks, and we always believed in ourselves to come back. We never thought we were out, right? And and that's what proved to be such a great team we had. So I don't know. Once we just kind of needed one, and then we get rolling because we're playing solid hockey, right? Sometimes they don't go in. We always knew we were in the games, and we deserved to be there. So we had belief, and then uh, we never we never thought we were out of games.
0: Game 6 was kind of the same script, but not as dramatic at the end. You had to win twice on the road, because we don't like to do things the easy way. You fell behind that game 2 to nothing. Both teams ultimately had a goal waved off in overtime, and then Jarrett Burton does it again. At that point, once you won that game, and the way that you did it in their building, I don't think there was a doubt in my mind that you guys were going to win Game 7 the next night, which you did 5-2. to Was that your general feel as well? Like, once you won Game 6, did you guys say alright, obviously you still had to win Game seven but did you feel like the momentum pendulum had kind of swung into your court yeah like it was never t-
1: talked about uh like the result right we were just focused on the process the whole time and, and uh, like i said i can't can't thank the guys enough and uh made my job easy really like they they're the ones that were on the ice and doing everything but uh yeah you have the momentum and you have those good vibes and then you just keep them rolling and then we went in there one fuck you
0: After that, the bus ride home, you guys are singing, you're having a blast as you should, you're going to the finals. And then it's about 9 o'clock on a Wednesday morning and you're driving into the arena, you get a police escort and you have hundreds of people waiting for you on a work day. Have you ever been been a part of anything like that? And Like you mentioned, the fans in this city just make it the amazing experience that it is, don't they? Right, I remember, uh, I think Paul
1: got a text, uh, some of the wives and girlfriends were on the roof of the apartment building they li- I lived in, and they took a picture of our bus coming in. We thought that was really cool, and then as soon as we were getting to the arena, we saw all the fans waiting there, and that- that's amazing, that's unbelievable, it just shows like how passionate our fans are, and uh, it was nice to get off the bus and show them how much we appreciate them as well, so yeah, that was definitely one of the coolest experiences for our group, and uh, one of the great memories, and it just
0: shows how great the
1: fan base is in Wheeling.
0: Was that kind of one of the first moments where you knew you had done something special?
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially like in the playoffs, everything you just kind of get on a roll and uh, and blackout and just keep rolling, right? And then you reminisce usually after. And with our group, we knew uh, our job wasn't done, obviously, but it was a uh, it was a nice experience to see that acknowledgement from the team or from the fans, sorry. And then uh, and then we kind of reflect on it after. Like that was one of the coolest things you can ever see, right? And all the fans coming in there, like yeah, it was it was really special
0: couple wins against Allen in the final unfortunately you fall short of that but personally I think things could have gone differently if not for a goaltender interference call in game four that maybe (laughs) shouldn't have been called but here we are still pretty cool though to play in front of a sellout crowd in the finals that must have been awesome
1: yeah it was amazing and uh I couldn't imagine if, uh, like, I was just on the bench uh, watching it, so the, the feeling the guys must have had. And I know uh, they love Wheeling just as much as I do, and they, that year's such a special memory for us. And uh, it's mostly because of the fans and the community and, and everything, so cello the crowd there, it's one of the best buildings and the hardest ones to play on the road from what I heard. So hopefully uh, they can get back to something like that
0: and there's so much that goes into it and I mentioned earlier we had the couple of changes behind the bench that year when Clarky got promoted in December and then we had the change in April and I've hinted at this a few times over the years I want to get your thoughts on this see how close I am I personally think you guys went as far as you did because you guys were in it together you had the backing of the fans in the community you were in it together you wanted to win it for each other you knew how to battle adversity and to me that commitment to each other was bigger than any X's and O's that any coach could have directed. Is that pretty close? Yeah,
1: I think you, you hit it right on the head there, and it uh, shows the uh, the group of guys we had, top to bottom, and uh, and the ownership, and right into the community. And any adversity, we took we took the right way, and uh, we went through it all together. It wasn't just one guy. We didn't make excuses, and, and that definitely showed on the ice. And then uh, and then Wheeling loves uh, their sports, so when we had some success, uh, you start to really see it in the community. And and obviously, if uh, if you're a fan, you want to cheer on a winning team, or at least a hardworking team. We. We gave such an honest effort every night that we are on the ice, so it, w- it was probably an easy team to come watch. And, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't say enough, like I said, about our, our leadership there and the guys and, and just coming together, and it, I, I feel like it's a, it really made us grow up and mature, and now we're almost ready to face anything since we went through so much that season.
0: It's left a lasting impression on the fans here. People still talk about it to this day. And then a couple of years after that, a nice personal honor for you as you were inducted into the Wheeling Hockey Hall of Fame in 2018. What did that moment mean to you? Yeah, it's, a,
1: it's such a huge honor. I never really expected it or, or anything, but uh, hopefully I can get back to Wheeling shortly. And Obviously, once things settle down, maybe make a trip this summer. But yeah, I'd like to see it and just show thank, thank uh, the owners and the, and the organization and everything for, for doing that. It's it's such a special honor for myself, and uh, it's obviously a reflection on all the great players I played with and, and, the, and that one team we had that went to the finals. So yeah, I really appreciate it from the fans, obviously, and the organization.
0: Yeah, we've definitely got to get you back. We'd like to get some of your teammates from that run also back. That would be a really neat thing to get everybody back together and just kind of celebrate it. And like I said, the fans I know would appreciate that for days and days
1: yeah i mean that's uh one of the things uh, we talk about we try to get like a little reunion back and uh they go golfing a couple days go out a couple nights and at home but uh it's kind of tough in the summers everyone's super busy but uh we we want to put a couple days aside as soon as we can but it's it's, it's on our list like i said that group we, we still talk daily well it's through a couple snapshots or a few messages but uh that's on our list uh, our to-do list for sure
0: did i leave anything out or do you think we've covered this thing pretty well No, it's good. I like uh, you had
1: all the dates and uh, games. Your memory is amazing still, so that that helped me out a lot to to go down memory lane, but definitely can't forget that uh, finals run.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking that trip back with us. You, that team, left such a great impression on us. Your time here from start to finish was absolutely fantastic, Zach. I can't thank you enough for what you did for this team and the community, the organization, absolutely fantastic. I'm so glad that you're still playing the game, having fun with it, and I cannot wait to have you back here again at some point.
1: Yeah, thanks, Steve. I really appreciate it, and I hope to come back to Wheeling soon and uh, see you and, uh, and everyone else.
0: Huge thanks again to Zach Torquato for joining us on this episode of The Toolbox. Some outstanding stories from him, and it's always a blast to go down memory lane, but to also get that perspective from the players and what the experiences were like for them and what they take away from it most. And you can definitely tell the time that he was here, the group that they had established, whether it was the finals run in 15, 16, or even some of the groups beforehand, just how tight they were and how much much of an impact they made on this community, both on and off the ice. So we are forever grateful for all that terrific work that they did. And obviously it led to that memorable run in 2016. Don't forget, we are still going to have that amazing series that we put together through zoom highlighting the 2015, 16 season and getting the players perspectives from that year from start to finish. I cannot wait for that to debut. So be on the lookout for that on our YouTube channels. I also have some more terrific interviews lined up for the Toolbox. If you have any recommendations, feel free to send me a tweet at Deej underscore Hockey PXP. So this has been another edition of the Toolbox presented to you by Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Thank you so much for tuning in. Continue to stay healthy and safe, and we'll talk to you next time on the Toolbox.